Welcome to another episode of Recovery Friends Podcast, where people who are in active recovery from addiction share their unique experience in the hope that listeners still in active addiction can identify with their stories and possibly find hope for their own recovery. We are not affiliated or do we speak for any 12-step programs or any other addiction or recovery-based entity. The words spoken here reflect the experience of our guests and not the opinion of their chosen path to recovery. All right. And today on our podcast, um, we have, um, I mean, when I say this, I mean it. I say that I have dear friends on here all the time, and I do. I have a lot of close friends, but... um, I guess today is a very dear friend of mine. We um, got sober around the same time. Uh, we're part of the same group uh, for a while. Um, and uh, I, I experienced a lot of my early recovery experiences, like, you know, the one, some of the most memorable experiences of mine. You were... There, you know, you were always involved in some of the moments where I look back and I go, oh, man, what an awesome experience early in recovery. Um, one of, and it's Courtney, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Courtney. Hi. Um, so I'll, so I just wanted to tell this one story because this, um, it was, um, it was my, it was, I was two years sober. Or I was, in, I was in my second year, coming up on my on my two years, and uh, it there was a New Year's Eve party, <laughs> and you know up until that point, like I had spent eight months in treatment, right? And my first New Year's Eve, I was like a month or two out of out of uh, treatment, and <clears throat> I spent it in the it, it was like a, a halfway house. I spent it midnight in the halfway house, in my bed, by myself, and I remember hearing all the fireworks going off, and, you know, at midnight, and I'm sitting there by myself, kind of feeling pretty lonely, Um, and that was my first New Year's Eve experience in sobriety when I got sober. (laughs) It was not a very fun one, Um, and the next year, right, um, you know, by that time, I'd kind of decided I was going to com- commit to being more uh, involved in the fellowship, you know, more involved in the group and doing things. Um, the year before, I, I, I kind of kept to myself a lot. And I started having a new experience. Um, and I remember we we uh, we had the New Year's Eve party at it was at this it was at the church on Canal in Hennessy. And, um, and the party there, it was a live band. It was kind of lame. And we left that party and we went to the clubhouse, (laughs) um, (laughs) that no longer exists anymore. And it was you, I think Steph, uh, and some other people, but it was the first time that I danced 
sober. Um, and it was, and, and, and I'm always remember you being there and we, and, and we had such a good time. Yeah. And it was really like the first time I realized that I can actually, like, you know, you hear people say I can have fun in recovery. You hear people say you'll have the best times of your life in re- when you're sober. But that night was the first night that I actually experienced it and believed it. And I'll always remember you being there. And, and, and that's like one of like the benchmarks of my recovery. And, uh, you know, because dancing sober is like a whole other thing. Yeah. <laughs> like a lot of like doing a lot of things sober. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I always say dancing when you're when you're drinking is like cheating. Because it's easy. <laughs> it's easy. You don't care. But dancing sober, you always, it's always like, no matter how many times I do it, I always have to get it kind of over myself and maybe like, you know, loosen up a little bit, bob my head, you know, kind of, and then slowly get out there. And then by like, and then, I mean, you know me, give me 30 minutes on the dance floor and I'm a fucking maniac (laughs) (laughs) nowadays. So yeah, that's my, uh, that's like one of my, my favorite memories of you is have sharing that experience with you. Sandy. Yeah. So we don't really talk that much anymore. We've been estranged. Because we have big full lives now. Yes, we do. Right? We're busy. Uh-huh. We're blessed. Yes, we are. A little bit closer. Uh, I know. It's kind of awkward. You I just don't, I don't want to, um, I don't want to. I don't want people to hear the inside of my mouth. Yeah, moving, I know. I'm guilty know? of that. So, so just gotta sip okay, water. I'm going to be close. It'll mm-hmm. be what it'll be. Yeah. So, yeah, you have a, we have lives now. Yeah. You're married. I'm married. Mar- <laughs> <laughs> Still kind of nuts. Yeah. Um, and I have a, a business, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Doing big things. Well, yeah, we're like, you know, seven, six years removed and it's just uh, life keeps getting better. True. Yeah. Um, I do remember. I remember when you came in, too. Yeah. Was I a hot mess? Um, (laughs) Because you came in about a year after me, maybe. Right. Uh And then. uh, No, I don't think you were a hot mess. I remember thinking like, wow, she really like. She really sounds like she's having an experience. Like you seem to have, you seem to like kind of like just boom, like take off um, from jump, mm-hmm. which was pretty impressive to me. Um, That's how it felt. Yeah. So how did you get there? What? Uh, what? Why don't you start from like the beginning? Okay. Of like what my birth. Oh, or <laughs> wherever you feel is relevant. You know, you could start at ten. Um. Okay, well, I was born and raised in New Orleans. Oh, he's fine. Okay. <laughs> um, my, my dog's here for the listeners. And yeah. He's excited to see his friend Andy. It's been a while. <laughs> okay, I was born and raised in New Orleans, and um, I always considered myself very lucky for that fact because I am first-generation New Orleans. Mm. My dad is from South Alabama. My mom claims to be a military brat, but I always thought that she was from Alabama because that's where my grandparents were. Uh-huh. Um, she was born in Virginia, though, but they met in Mississippi. And so I really feel blessed that I was born in New Orleans and not <laughs> Pascagoula, Mississippi. Oh. Um, 
just because, you know, first of all, I'm mixed. My mom's white, my dad's black. Um, you know, 33 years ago wasn't, wasn't what it is today, yeah. you know? Well, um, probably, it's, I mean, it's probably still, still yeah, better. When I was be in college, in I had a friend who was from Picayune. Yeah. She was pregnant. This is like when I first got to college, I met her. Uh, she was already friends with like these girls that I fell in with and she was pregnant and she was afraid to tell her parents that her baby daddy was black. Mm. And this was like, how many, like 10, 15 years ago, yeah. you know, because she was afraid that they wouldn't be accepted, that, that her baby wouldn't be accepted. And my mom recently told me a story of um, how my grandparents like didn't really fuck with my dad. I don't even know if my dad ever met my grandparents because oh. they were so upset that their daughter, you know, had kids with a black man. Yeah. And so, you know, I feel lucky to be from New Orleans, like culturally, because it's just such a different place. And we've got our own like heritage and our own food and our own music and all that. But also because I feel like I had an easy, you know, I had it easier than I would have had I been born in South Alabama or yeah. Mississippi or whatever. And I love those places. I think they're beautiful. Yeah. Um, I remember the, yeah, they, like I, the town I grew up in, I remember this girl had, uh, she got pregnant for this black guy and they sent her away or, or no, or no, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm mis mixing up the story, but it was like, you know, this is Louisiana, not New Orleans, but you know, Con mm -hmm. the country mm -hmm. and like they found out and they sent her away for a year like she went to like boarding school they hid her they basically like yeah. mm -hmm. like removed her from the town like in in hopes that maybe she would forget about him or i don't even know what what the whole thing was about but yeah like it was it was like and everybody whispered about it it was so weird yeah so it's like still like, and it's still like that. yeah you know i in a lot of places yeah. right and that is also you know, I feel like a big part of my story, like the fact that I am biracial and yeah. how could it not be right? You know, yeah. like when I look, when I look at my mom, I don't think that I look like her, hmm. you know, and my dad um, died when I was 15. But even when I look like him, I didn't feel like I look like him because like, wow. you know, I'm like, I think yellow when I was a kid, like. Mm -hmm. it, you know, the color of my skin occurred to me as yellow. My yeah. mom is white. My dad was chocolate. And so, you know, I didn't, I didn't see myself when I looked at them. That's, that's, that's something I never considered. It really is. And it wasn't until like, really until Instagram came along. Oh. I did like a side by side, like, you know, photo stitch with me and my dad. And I could see similarities, yeah. you know, and this was like 10 years after he had died. Mm. Um, and so as I was growing up, I didn't really feel like, uh, I fit in, you know, um, I was either like not white enough for the white kids or not black enough for the black kids. And it really wasn't until like pretty recently in life, like well into adulthood that I started to like figure out how I identify, you know, as I moved through the world. But when I was young, um, you know, I looked like my sister and that was it wow. <laughs> to me. Yeah. And, um, you know, nowadays you see on billboards and the cover of magazines, like tons of light skinned, 
black chicks with curly hair. Yeah. And when I was coming up, like that really wasn't a thing. It and was I wanted all white to be chicks. exactly or black. You know what yeah. I mean? It was like there was the Cosby show and the, you know, like and then anyways, it was just like I just didn't feel like I fit, you know, yeah. and I like I would have like crushes on white boys and <laughs> you know. And like most of my friends were like my girlfriends were white and it's it's just you know, they always liked them and I just Aww. you know, I never felt pretty enough and blah blah blah. And I also had a skin condition which like made me like I had like dry, flaky skin like on my face. Aww. And like, ugh, I I wanted to be an actress and I remember watching like some cartoon or some show or something and somebody was playing Sleeping Beauty. And I was like, I'll never be able to do that because I couldn't just lay there with like all the skin on my face exposed to someone, you know. Um, so wah, wah, I like didn't like, <laughs> you know, didn't like the way I looked as yeah. a child. Well, it's funny because like you know, if 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 you find something, because we all think we're different, mm -hmm. but if you find something that that like uh, verifies it, then it's like you, there's no turning back, you know. Right, you know, <laughs> and then, um, so kids used to tease me. <laughs> They used to like chase me around like the schoolyard, like telling, like teasing me that my parents had jungle fever and I didn't know what that was. And oh. so like, I thought like, oh no, what's wrong with my parents, you know? Um, and then people would ask us if we were adopted, you know? So yeah. like, I don't know. I, it, it was, it was just like, I felt different, yeah. you know? Um, <clears throat> and so, uh, being born and raised in New Orleans and maybe I don't know it's just like the type of parents that I had like drinking wasn't a big deal my mom never really drank my dad drank like a lot of Heineken you know and like scotch Chevis <laughs> whatever um but I don't you know I don't really think that he had a drinking problem and I was you know I was 15 when he died and he was sick so like I don't I don't really know I don't spend too much time thinking about that but we had like occasionally we had wine with dinner and we had Budweiser with crawfish and so um my mom tells me that my first drink was when I was like a month old and she was <laughs> she was at work dad was home with the baby and I guess I was really fussy so he like put a little bit of um like whiskey in yeah. my bottle to like quiet me down you know did they say it worked Honestly, I don't know. She just like talks about how she fussed at him for that. Yeah. <laughs> so, but you know, maybe that's when my first taste of liquor was. Yeah. Like, Could you maybe. imagine that? Like if I was, if I was back in those days and that was like a common thing and it worked to shut a baby up. <laughs> I, and, I, and I didn't like. You have a lot of drunk oh. babies on your hands. <laughs> I would have done it every time he annoyed me. Probably not, not saying it's right, but I'm saying like, I'm. Like, especially before I, like, I started becoming a decent human being. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't like, give that baby some more whiskey. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I hear it, in recovery, you hear a lot of people talking about, you know, the first time they took a drink and they can remember like their muscles just relaxing mm. and like everything coming into perfect focus and they could dance and they could whatever, you know. Yeah. And I don't remember that because... I know, you know, my first drink. You were a baby. Maybe, right? <laughs> but I also like even after that, like you know, I would literally have a glass of wine with dinner mm. as a, as a kid. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't a big deal. Uh, so for me, 
the phenomenon of craving mm-hmm. didn't happen until like pretty late for me. Um, I think like my mom says that the first time that I got truly drunk was on a cruise. So she took like the kids on a cruise and um, on cruise ships, the bars close at like whatever time, let's say it's two o'clock in the morning. And all the kids were, and this is, my mom loved taking us on cruises because like you basically like don't have to pay attention to your kids. Like, yeah, like, you know, it's a confined space. And there's like, if the, if it's like a carnival cruise, then um, there's like, you know, activities that the kids do, you know, whatever, like. Just jump off the side of the boat. Right. I mean, I guess that's an option, but (laughs) you know, it's like like an easy thing, an easy, you know, vacation. You don't have to worry about them like, you know, running off in the middle of the street or whatever. Yeah. Um, And so we were up late, like. Myself, my siblings, and whatever the other kids were that were on this cruise, it was a lot of them. And um, I was going around to all of the bars that had closed and people, you know, they they would set their half-drunk drinks back on the bar for them to be, like, cleaned up later. And I went around drinking the half-drunk drinks off of the bars. And how old were you? I was 12. Okay. And you, so your mom told you this. You don't remember it. No, I remember this vividly. Um... Yeah, I remember it very vividly. And, okay, so this is what happened. I I still think that what happened was that I got sleepy, okay? So uh-huh. I laid down on a ping pong table to take uh-huh. a little nap. My mom says that I passed out. I mean, she wasn't here for any of this. Like, you know, she was, like, in the room, like, whatever. Yeah. But she says that I passed out. And I remember, like, falling asleep. But then I remember, like, waking up to um this boy it was a 15 year old and it was he actually lived like around the corner from me and i had a crush on him and we just happened to be on the same cruise together and uh, i heard people saying like oh she's drunk you got to get her back to the room and i had a crush on this boy and he was like picking me up because i was you know passed out so Uh i didn't i didn't want to wake up because i was like in Uh. the arms of a boy that that (laughs) i really liked you know so i stayed yes (laughs) and then i got back to the room and i just like didn't want to have to like tell my mom that I was really awake as I was being carried back. And she, I remember her saying like, Oh my God, you're 12 years old and you're passed out from drinking and blah, 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 blah. So I just like, whatever, I went to bed. But that is like the first time I remember being drunk, yeah. you know, cause I, I was drunk. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, from there, then I, I would have friends come over and my parents had like a, you know, a liquor cabinet and, me and my friends would like take a sip from each of the bottles just to like see what they all tasted like. And like, it was fun, you know, because it was prohibited. Mm. Um, and you know, we would get a little tipsy and like go ride our bikes or whatever, like meet up (laughs) with boys. It was fun. Um, and I'm, I'm sure that like I got tipsy, but I don't remember like being drunk and I don't remember like, you know, continuing to do it all night until I like whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I think when I got my driver's permit, my parents used to be out of town on the weekends. I don't really know what they were doing, but I would like steal the car and me and my friends would like go downtown, you know, to have a good time and we would drink. But mm. what neighborhood did you live? What area did you live in? Um, I grew up like at this point in my life, I was uptown. Okay. I was like kind of near the universities, you know, uh-huh. um, and so 
I don't, I don't remember like really drinking like what would be called alcoholically until the summer between high school and college. Hmm. And that summer. (laughs) Yeah. That summer really, my, my summer between high school and what I assumed would eventually be college, but that never happened. <laughs> like my, my drinking, like after high school just ramped up. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't do anything. Yeah. yeah it was like, we called it the ecstasy dance party sleepover 2004 uh-huh. <laughs> because, um, we had discovered ecstasy, which was, mm, yeah, that's was- a good time. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it was a good time. It was a good time. And then yeah. I had a friend <laughs> whose parents owned a liquor store and he was working in the liquor store that summer. And, um, his dad told him that he could take home like a six pack of beer every day, but somehow that got misconstrued into a case of beer every day. Uh-huh. And so you know, we had like a free case of beer and whatever, weed and ecstasy, whatever. So like it was a it was a great summer. We had a good time. <laughs> and I remember like we had a my best friend at the time and I had a schedule where we would go out at Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And we had a different place that we would go every night and then Sunday we would rest, you know. <laughs> um, the first time I ever blacked out was like around that time. And, uh, so anyways, like, but it didn't, you know, all of my friends like to party too. So it didn't, it didn't yeah. seem like a problem. You know, I wasn't like really having any consequences or anything. Yeah. You, you know? always assume that eventually it's going to like, you, you might grow out of it or that eventually you'll get you. I mean, no, there was no, like, I might grow out of it because there was nothing to grow out of. Yeah. You know, like it didn't, it wasn't a problem. It really, like, it didn't seem like a problem yet. And I had a friend who had a problem, like a good friend of ours who like got bad off into drugs and he would like steal from some of our friends to like support his habit. Uh-huh. And like, you know, we'd all kind of written him off eventually. And so it was like, that's what a problem looks yeah. like. That dude has a problem. And like, none of us look like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I had friends who would like, like it was a part of their thing, like it was a part of their night to like go outside and throw up and then like come back inside and keep drinking. And I was, I was like, that is disgusting. Like, how could you keep <laughs> drinking after you throw up? Like if I threw up, it was over, you yeah. know? And so it was like that, That's a, I don't look like that, yeah. you know? And really like it didn't, it hadn't occurred to me yet at all or to anyone that I might have a problem. And this is 18, 19. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so I uh, went off to college. I was pretty good in the beginning of college. There was one night I was rushing for um, a sorority, which is hilarious because I had always said I didn't want anything to do with anything like that. But you see, deep down. You kinda... Well, here's the thing. My mom was in this sorority oh. and she always had dreams of her baby girl. Being in the same sorority, you know. Yeah. And my mom was like, you know, similarly, she was kind of an outcast and she had like, I think what she would describe as like a difficult upbringing. And um, she like was having a hard time like at home. And so she like studied really hard and graduated high school and went off to college at the age of 16. Um, And so 
I think like being a part of this sorority was really special to her because, you know, she got to feel like she belonged mm -hmm. and um, she had really fond memories from it. And so like she wanted that for me too. And she used to like sing me the songs of the sorority when I was little and stuff, you know. <laughs> and so um, when I got to school, I, I, I joined the sorority. I was actually the first black girl at that campus to like ever be a part of that sorority. And it's an old, it's the oldest sorority there is. So um, there was one night when I was rushing, I like went out, got very drunk, passed out, like blacked out. I had actually like driven everybody down there and like it was one of those, it was my mom's car. It was an expedition and had the keypads and I left like the key inside the car. So like seven people that came down there with me didn't have a way to get home. And oh wow, <laughs> they ended up calling the cops cause they thought I had been drugged cause it didn't make sense to anybody. Like how like drunk I got and the fact that I like threw up and passed out so quickly. I just hadn't eaten and like, you know, wasn't like an experienced drinker, blah, blah, blah. So they like called the cops and some girl from another sorority put me in the tub to like, I don't know, I guess that's what you do. Like, I don't know. <laughs> anyways, so dramatic. So like have like snippets of like the faucet and then the cops and whatever. So and like, like you had like legit alcohol poisoning? I'm sure probably. Or I don't know. I level. think I was just like drunk. I think I was very <laughs> drunk. I was like very thin. I yeah. hadn't eaten, you know, I probably was dehydrated and whatever. I passed out. Yeah. It's like, I'm not that's like, <laughs> Like just a another common night, you know? thing for people <laughs> exactly. I guess after it, be, it, it would become a common thing I'm sure <laughs> oh yeah for sure um so anyways like I I did all right like you know nothing nothing was bad and so like this is for me in hindsight it is you know they say that addiction is progressive and that is very very true for me um because it didn't like you know, there were little things here and there, but there wasn't like a big problem for like a long time. I had been drinking, you know, for a long time, like pretty normally. Um, and then the other thing is that, you know, when I look back on it, these are the things that kept me sick. These are the thing, you know, the fact that like, this is not what a problem looks like. And if I had like, if I had you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. If I had known anything about addiction, yeah. if I had known anything about, you know, the heredity of it, like nearly everybody in my family is addicted to something. Yeah. Um, and there were definitely red flags. Uh, but up until this point, you know, I had my my friend who was like the real like bad like addict, whatever. And then like what you see in movies or what you see like under the Claiborne Bridge, and I didn't look like any of that. Yeah. But like you said, hindsight being twenty twenty, we can go and look like, oh, that's exactly what uh, alcoholism or addiction looks like. Yeah, absolutely. In the early stages. Yeah. <laughs> and even before that, you know, um, I say this today, like I do a lot of things alcoholically. Uh, I nap alcoholically. Like I say that I'll lay down for like 30 minutes, you know, and I'll set the timer and I'll say this time <laughs> I'm going to wake up after 30 minutes. <laughs> And then five hours later, I'm like beating on the headboard, asking myself how it happened again. Wow. You know, literally. Five like I hours, cannot... you'll nap for five hours and during the day? Yes. And I will tell myself, and, and it's because like I, 
I don't sleep enough. And so yeah. whenever I nap, it's just like I'm passing out because I'm exhausted. But it's the delusion that I think that I can nap normally, yeah. you know? <laughs> and even like dating, like, mm. you know, back when I was dating before I was a married lady, I would like start dating a dude. And like by the third date, I would like, have all of our like unborn children named. I was like planning our <laughs> wedding, you know, like I jumped like head in. It wasn't, yeah. you know, I didn't take anything slow. You immediately think like what it would be like to bring him home. Like mom would probably like, no, no, him. no. I don't have to think about that. Like I've already brought him home. Like he's already <laughs> met everybody, you know? Um, and even like when I was a <laughs> child, like I, 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 I was a klepto for like 10 years. And, um, the first time I ever stole anything, I was eight. And then I did it like every chance I got wow. until I was 17 and got arrested for it. The only time I've ever been arrested was at Lakeside Mall. <laughs> I was like, you know. Shoplifting. Yeah. And I, you know, I I had money, you know. Yeah. Like my parents weren't rich, but like I never wanted for anything. Um, I think it was like the thrill, the rush of it and mm. like the selfishness and self-centeredness. Like, yeah. I wish I used to steal um, Mach three razors. You know, like the the Gillette Mach three. You know, when I go to Walgreens and I see them locked <laughs> the up, I always that. wonder, like, <laughs> who in the hell is coming to Walgreens to steal razors? Look, I would go to Walmart and buy and pay for everything except for the Mach threes because I always just felt Why? like because they were too expensive. They were ridiculously priced. <laughs> <laughs> and I would get some, and, it, and it, it was just like, it was like 10 bucks for three or something. I don't remember. It was a lot. It was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I remember, I remember like one time I'm walking out of the thing and, and the beeper goes off because mm -hmm. they, because they started putting like the little strips inside mm -hmm. the box mm -hmm. and I stopped and I looked back and then the lady went, Oh, it's probably those CDs you Ooh. bought. Don't worry about it. I didn't. And I was like, okay, poop. that was the only time I almost got caught. Oh, no, I got caught a few times. Oh. But then this That's... final time I got arrested. Okay. Oh, it was awful. Anyways, <laughs> my parents, like, knew the, like, ADA or whatever. And I, like, didn't. I spent, like, four hours in there or something. And then, like, the charge went away. Yeah. Whatever. Um, but all that to say, like, I have had, like, the ism. Yeah. since forever mm -hmm. you know i do a lot of things yeah you know what i consider alcoholically um but the drinking you know it, it got progressively worse over time and i like to uh pull geographicals so like that'll that'll come into play so anyways i um you know, i got to college and things were fine and then i found a boy who it's funny when I, I like found this journal that I, that I was writing when I first met him and he, um, in it, it's like three weeks into it. And I'm like, well, I figured out that he has a pill problem, but I love him so much anyway. And like, <laughs> whew, see, like it was very quick. Yeah. Um, and this guy, you know, you hear people talk about how they surround themselves with people who are worse than them so that they don't look so bad. And mm -hmm. maybe that's what I was doing, like subconsciously. But this dude had a pill problem, you know, 
and I hadn't had any experience with pills. I feel like I took like a Xanax once and it made me go to sleep and I took a Lord tab once and it made me throw up. So I was like, yeah, I'm not a pill person. Plus I like uppers. <laughs> I, I was never into like, yeah, chilling out nodding off like i wanted to be up and yeah, i love whatever. opiates mm. Mm. it was never my thing thank god um so with pills like you can pop it in your mouth and no one will see it yeah you know so this guy first of all he found someone who didn't have experience with that so like i didn't know what i didn't like know what was going on it didn't take me long till i like figured it out and i like took him home and he was like nodding off at the dinner table in front of my parents but um and he thought that he was like getting away with everything because like was that the second date third probably <laughs> maybe fourth but you know like if you smoke weed, you like, I mean, maybe these days, like there's all these edibles and stuff, but like back in those days, yeah. you smoke weed, like you could see somebody physically doing it, you yeah. know, you're drinking, like you could smell you can it on smell, their breath. You can smell weed too. Exactly. But you like know. with pills, you could take the fucking 30 yeah. of them and like it's no just, one would be none yeah. the wiser until you start nodding off. So anyways, whatever. I'd fallen in love with this guy and I had made all our plans and everything. And, um, we did uh ecstasy one night and the next day i really felt awful and he was like bouncing off the walls you know and like i didn't understand like why do you feel so good and why are you trying to invite me out to go like hang out with friends i feel terrible and he was like well i know something that'll make you feel better and i was like what anything i feel terrible and it was cocaine mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, 22, 21, 22 at this point, And I'd never done coke because I never had any desire. And I didn't want to like be one of those people that like put things up their nose. Yeah. But I did cocaine and man, he was right. Mm. Made me feel better. Um, and that relationship surprisingly didn't go so well. Oh, really? <laughs> Who the fuck? <laughs> Shocker. That's um, not the guy you're married to? <laughs> no, so, you know, surprisingly, no, um, that relationship didn't go so well. And I came, I came back home to New Orleans because I went to school in Mobile, Alabama, came back home. This was also like after Katrina and I like wanted to be home, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so I came back home and needed like money i needed a job and i had a friend who said that uh, you can make a lot of money working at a strip club and i was like i need money and she was like yeah you're just cocktail wait waitress you keep all your clothes on um and like you get to like drink with the clients and i was like what <laughs> what i get to make money and like get drunk that sounds like a plan that's when i started blacking out yeah because you're encouraged to like yeah. drink with the clients, you know, and like the higher you run up their tab, the more tip you get, blah, blah, blah. And so I would be getting hammered at work and like. That's, and that's like in, in the French Quarter. That's like very sketch. Blacking out. <laughs> at the, <laughs> or was it the French Quarter? It was the French yeah. Quarter. Yeah. yeah, it was like right off Bourbon Street. Like, man, blacking out there is like scary well for the most part my mom would i was living at home okay. and so like so i didn't have to look for parking my mom would drop me off and like pick me up you know and she and you'd be like sloppy when she'd pick you up yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's part of the job yeah i mean and it wasn't like all the time but or like sometimes i would like go out with like 
everybody after mm. and whatever like end up at home or like wake up somewhere i didn't really know where i was but like it started to escalate then you know um and so around this time i started dating this other boy and like the boys always got the worst of it you know the guys i was dating because they saw they saw me like at the end of the night you know or they were like helping me like as i puked and whatever mm. Because nobody, nobody in my family, like up until the end of it, nobody in my family really thought that I had a problem. And I didn't think I had a problem, you mm. know? Um, so I was dating this guy and uh, we went to Biloxi, to the casino. Because my mom, like, my mom gambles. She gets, like, free nights at casinos, whatever. So we went over there and we were like, you know, pounding beers on the, not pound, I was pounding. He was a normal person, but like, <laughs> I was very, we were, I at least was very drunk by the time we got there. And um, there's like a club in the casino. So like, we were going to the club, like dancing and we like had our beer and our like bottle of liquor back up in the room so we could like save money. <laughs> so like, at, by the end of the night, I was like hammered uh -huh. big time. I'll tell you another this is a little part of the story i don't get to tell in the rooms we had decided that that night we were going to um make a flick this was going to be like <laughs> our first foray right and so he brought like a tripod and like <laughs> camera and so um that didn't end up happening like we went upstairs we like did what couples do and we went to sleep Mm -hmm. And um, I woke up. Um, okay, I woke up to two people in um, blazers coming up to me and asking me, like, what was my name? What was I doing? Blah, blah, blah. And one of them had a tablecloth that he handed me. It was a man and a woman. And I realized that I was like walking around the hotel of this, um, the halls of the hotel of this casino completely naked. And so um, I have a vague memory of like pissing on one of the hotel doors, like standing there, you know, like thrusting my pelvis forward, like just pissing on a hotel door. And, um, and so these, the, the, and these were members of the security team for the yeah. hotel. So one of them handed me the tablecloth and told me to wrap it around me. And the other one was like, what are you doing? Like, what's your name? What's your hotel room number? And I was like, I don't, I don't have to tell you anything. Also, you came to in the hall. I came to in the hall. Uh huh. Uh, with them in front of you. Stark naked. Okay. Yes. With them in front of me. Wow. And, um, so eventually they were like, you know, if you don't tell us what your room number is or what you're doing, blah, 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 like you're going to go to jail. And I don't think you want to go like this, you know, because like all I had on was a smile. <laughs> so they proceed to bring, bring me back to my room and we get on the elevator to go to the room. So I had <laughs> woken up from a blackout like my body had woken up. My brain had not. I left the room got on the elevator, pushed some random number and was just walking around completely uh. naked, like pissing on people's hotel, you know? And I guess they just saw me on the camera or whatever. So they bring me back to the room. They sit me down outside and they use their key to go in. And what do they find but a tripod set up? 
right? God. <laughs> and so my boyfriend wakes up and they're like, you know, what is Courtney doing walking around naked? And he's like feeling on either side of the bed, like looking for me. Cause he didn't, you know, he was asleep like a normal person. He didn't yeah. even know that I had gotten up. And so, and they were like, and what is this tripod about? And he's like, I mean, well, no, you know, nothing actually, we didn't actually, you know, we didn't film anything. Like we were both too drunk, you know, yeah. we just like, whatever, had sex, went to bed. And so. Is it illegal to tape yourself having sex? No, but if you can imagine, first of I all, mean, this yeah, was like a long time ago. I looked very young, yeah. you know, and like, so did he, but like, anyways, like it, it was just it all was, very yeah, suspicious. It was crazy, yeah. I mean, and so like, I guess he was probably, able to, they probably still tell that story. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of their go-to stories. They're like, I bet you see a lot of crazy shit. And yeah. It's a and they're, oh yeah. Let me tell casino. you about this one time. This like this little girl here. So anyways, eventually I guess he like convinced them that like, I was like, whatever, just drunk. Everything was fine. They let me back in the room and they told me to never come back. So to this day I am effectively banned from yeah. the Beau Rivage wow. in Mississippi. I'm, I see. I'm, I'm banned from, and I don't know if I still am, but I know for years I, I would try to go back and they, they would like recognize me and kick me out again at this, <laughs> this casino uh, where I, in a blackout, started like, I don't know if I started a fight with a guy, but I came to and they were slamming me on the ground outside of the casino and I came to and they put me in a cop car. It was kind of a mess. I even got out of the cop car like I was... Like I, I, for some reason I thought, well, I wonder if this door is locked. So I, re I had my handcuffs on and I just kind of reached <laughs> behind my back and the door opened up. So, I, so I, I got out of the cop car and then I just, and then when I got out, I was like, well, I don't know, I'm not going to run. So I just stood there and like the cops were talking to some other people. And when they saw me, they freaked and they ran over there and threw me back in the cop car. <laughs> just stood there. You made an escape just to stand there. Yeah, it was stupid. I mean, I guess I, I had sense enough to know that running would be really, really stupid. Mm -hmm. But yeah, blackout in a casino, you know. So anyways, <laughs> yeah, I like I remember like crying myself to sleep that night and saying to myself, like, what is wrong with me? Like something mm. is wrong with me, you know. And I, I remember asking my boyfriend eventually, like, what did you think? You know, when like they woke you up and like, you know, ushered me back into the room and he was like, I was scared. Mm. I was scared because what if they didn't find you? You know, what if anyone of like hundreds of people in that hotel had opened the door and like pulled you in and like, yeah, you know, what if I never saw you again? And like that was scary, yeah. you know, blackouts are scary. Yeah, dude. Like you'll do anything. Body, exactly. And like that was really like, you know, I guess no pun intended. That was really sobering because the next day when I called my sister and I told her about it, she was like, I'm surprised you didn't go to the blackjack. To, like try to go to the blackjack table. And I was like, I didn't have my ID. Like they wouldn't have let me in. And she was like, Courtney, that's not why they wouldn't have let you in. Like you didn't have any clothes on, you know, <laughs> like not having your ID was like the least of your troubles. Yeah. Um, and so from that moment, I decided that I needed to moderate, you know, I was like, sometimes I drink too much and, um, in order to like not put myself in those kinds of positions again, I'm going to like, you know, watch out for how much I drink. Um, and, uh, so I would like stop drinking for like however much time this much time whatever and like only drink on special occasions or you know blah 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 
But um, I started to get depressed. Mm -hmm. And I also like, I don't know, I don't remember why or like what happened, but I, I think this boyfriend didn't like me smoking weed and I was always like trying to do whatever I could to keep the boys around. So I... <laughs> I was trying to like not smoke weed, but I was also like not drinking and I was having a very hard time not smoking weed while I was not drinking and I got depressed. And so like I ended up going to this counselor about my depression and I told her that like I was having a hard time like not smoking weed. And so she referred me to an addiction counselor. And I went to the addiction counselor and like spent like, you know, I think it was maybe like a 45 minute session. And I spent the first 30 minutes talking about like weed, my weed habits, and <laughs> you know, and then like with like 15, 10, 15 minutes to go, I don't know how it came up, but I just, I guess I mentioned that I wasn't drinking at the time. And then I told him why, which is the story about, you know, the casino hotel. <laughs> and then he started asking me a little bit about my drinking habits. And like, you know, I told him that. When I uh, was in college that I would like, there was a while where I was like drinking a beer in the morning, like on the way to school. And I thought it was just like, cause it was cool. Like I could, you know, whatever. Yeah. And I'd put it in an apple juice bottle and I'd feel like, you know, all you fools have no idea. <laughs> like you're drinking juice in the morning and I'm drinking beer. Yeah. And um, this was the first time uh, anybody ever said, this to me, but he said, you know, I think that you might be suffering from untreated alcoholism. And I think that, um, you know, your depression is a result of like taking your solution away. Mm. And, uh, he said, I think, you know, when you were in college and you were drinking a beer in the morning, even though you weren't getting drunk and you may not have been like drunk the night before you were like taking the edge off, you know, just something to like help you to like sit in your own skin. And um, he suggested that I go to a meeting. And I remember being devastated. <laughs> I thought it was like oh. the worst thing anybody could have ever said to me because I'm like 23 years old. I got my whole life ahead of me. And here somebody is telling me that, you know, I might be an alcoholic and that I needed to go to a meeting. And I really couldn't, I couldn't think of anything worse. And I went home and like cried the rest of the day away. Yeah, um, but that's so. You went to this is not the last time that you went into AA though, right? Or twelve? No, meeting. that was the first time. Yeah, yeah, okay. that was the first time. Well, I'll tell you what. We'll take a break right there, and uh, we'll uh, use uh, get some refreshments, and we'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, back from break. Uh, so you, you're, you're, so what your counselor tells you, maybe you should go to a meeting. Ay, ay, ay. Right. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and what's funny is like, and at that time, it's the worst thing anybody could have ever told you. Yeah, for sure. But the irony of it is, is that I'm sure you look at it as one of the best things that ever happened to you. For sure. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. But you couldn't have told like no, 23, 24 year old Courtney oh, that, no, that's you know, too young. I remember like, I mean, I was just, like drinking was just so much a part of my yeah. life, you know, and I, I remember like 
mourning, like prematurely mourning all of these things that I wasn't going to be able to do because, yeah. you know, like I remember thinking like, I'm, I, I'm not going to be able to like drink champagne at my wedding, you know? how am I not going to like toast with champagne at my wedding? That's such a weird like thought that everybody has. Is it? Is it like, Oh I my God. I thought it was so like, because you know, or, like, I was a lot like, of people have slowly that pushing this boy away. Like I was like, there was no like engagement <laughs> or marriage, like anywhere on the horizon for me. Like I had fucked up all my relationships. Uh-huh. I would like pee on the dude in the bed. Like, you know, like it was, <laughs> I was like such a, a fucking mess and I couldn't, you know, yeah. I couldn't like keep a relationship to save my life. And so like the fact that I was so concerned about not yeah. being able to drink champagne at this hypothetical wedding. that yeah. like, But just the fact that like, that like you, there's no getting like people who can't wrap their minds around not drinking actual champagne when you toast. Yeah. Like it's so weird to me. Like I remember this is way before and I, and I forget this, this is way before I actually got sober. I was in a friend of mine's wedding <laughs> And I wasn't drinking at the time, and this was like my early twenties. And um, they toasted, and I requested like, like Sprite in mm-hmm. my in my mug, and everybody was like, almost. I feel like some people were actually offended that yeah. I wasn't actually <laughs> toasting alcohol, mm-hmm. but I was like, I'm not drinking, man. I can't drink, you know. Mm-hmm. But it, and I forget that I was actually trying not to drink at that time. It's so weird, yeah. Like. You know, I, I tend to sometimes think that I didn't necessarily fully acknowledge that it was a problem till later in my 20s. But right. really, like I knew it was a problem for a very long time. Yeah, yeah, right. It's like I heard early on that, like, if you're trying to control something, it's probably out of control. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I think that I was under this delusion that, like, I didn't want to stop. You know, I'm still like figuring out so much, like six, almost six Mm. and a half years later. I think I I, like was under the delusion that I didn't want to stop. I just I didn't want the consequences, you know. So like I didn't want to black out and I didn't want to be sick. I was I was very skinny, like I was naturally very skinny, like up until I hit 30, basically. But like I was you know, 110 pounds. And like, I would drink so much that my like poor small body couldn't handle it, you know? And I would be sick for days, you know, like sick for days after like a spree. Um, and so like, you know, I didn't want the consequences, but like, like I said, up until that point, it didn't occur to me that it was a problem, you know? And like, that's part of the disease, you know, like I don't, I don't have a problem. Like it was just like this weird thing that happened when I woke up from a blackout walking around a hotel yeah. naked. <laughs> oh, then like you, this, the, also the delusion that you'll be able to like, kind of like, like if figure out a way to do it. Yes, exactly. You know? And like, it, and that was like a constant calculus in my head, yeah. you know, like, okay, I'm going to make sure that I eat this much and that I drink this many like ounces of water and like, maybe I won't get sick this time. Maybe I won't like black out this time, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I'll back up. I like, I went to a meeting and there was like nothing special about it. I feel like maybe, you know what? I found a 24 hour chip recently. So they must've given me a 24 hour chip. Wow. Um, but I don't, I don't like, I remember I was going to this clubhouse, Lambda, 
went to sober and serene at 12:15 every day and like what's interesting is that when I got into the rooms I found like I really felt like I found all the things that I was looking for in alcohol you know and I, I couldn't have put like these words to it then I didn't know that I was looking for anything in in like alcohol you know but like yeah. I felt like I belonged and I felt welcome and I felt like comfortable and at ease you know um, and like many times before I had made like a, a deal with myself that like, I wasn't going to drink from new year's Eve from, or from like new year's until my birthday. So that's like about four months. And I did that. And then my birthday came and like, I was back off to the races, Yeah. but you know, all of the things that they say to do. I didn't do, you know, I like didn't work any steps. I didn't get a sponsor. It wasn't of service. It was just like going to the rooms every day, like a leech, <laughs> like, you know, sharing about God knows what. Oh, and God. I know, <laughs> Lord. but it was also like, yeah, you know, I love Lambda, like Lambda saved my life in the beginning, but there are some characters that go to that <laughs> meeting. And so like, <laughs> I wasn't the only one sharing gibberish in that <laughs> meeting, you know? Yeah, it was funny because, um, like, clubhouses in general have such a colorful spectrum of, mm -hmm, of people. Yeah. That, which is, honestly, that's kind of why I like them. Yeah, for real. It's entertaining, you yeah. know? Like, and Lambda's they, downtown, yeah. you know? So well, it's like... Exactly. It's yeah. always... <laughs> it's in a real... Yeah, it's in a sketchy area. And, like... But, like, I remember one time being in, in, in Lambda and thinking to myself, man, like... This is like a picture of what like a twelve step program is. It's like we're just like give, come come whoever you are, mm -hmm. like yeah. open arms. And you, you are welcome here. And there's you know there's like a lawyer sitting next to a dude who hasn't bathed in t two months. It Correct. looks like yes, and sitting next to like a movie star. Yeah, you know like it's just such a crazy like image when mm -hmm. you walk into these places, which I love. Mm -hmm. You know I still go. I go like uh, I'll go to the ten o'clock a lot. Hmm. Like, like I just, you know, when I haven't I don't been ha in a while. Yeah, I should go. Yeah, well, I don't have anything to do. Maybe we can go tonight. Well, it'd be cool, but you may, <laughs> we might not be, we might not wrap up in time. Okay, so, anyways, <laughs> I like I started going to meetings and I enjoyed it. You know, I liked it, mm -hmm. um, and I felt like I belonged, but I was not ready. And the, my main problem was that you know the first step is admitting that you're powerless over alcohol and that your life is unmanageable. And I could not admit either of those things. Um, and I looked at the rest of the steps and I was like, yeah, I would love to take a personal inventory. Like, I know that I'm crazy. So there's step two. Um, I know I've done a lot of bad shit and like, I would love to like write about it and get to the root of it, you know, in step four. And I've like fucked over some people that I really care about and I've burned down some relationships that mean a lot to me. So I would love to like make amends, like step nine says, but I could not admit that I was powerless over alcohol and that my life was unmanageable, yeah. you know? And that's so crucial. Exactly, because I'm thinking in my head about my friend, my college, you know, the friend from like high school who was like the bad one. And we all pointed to him and said, like, he's the one with the problem, yeah. you know. And then I was thinking about like the people under the Claiborne Bridge or like, you know, what you see in movies. Like, this is what an alcoholic looks like. Like, this is not what an alcoholic looks like. You know, like I have at that point, I at least had my undergraduate degree, um, you know, by the by the time I actually got sober, like I. I had gotten an MBA. I had like, you know, I had a lot, like I had traveled the world, whatever, you know, like this is not what an alcoholic looks like. And so, um, 
and I could stop whenever I wanted to, you know, I like stop for long periods of time. And so I was having like such a hard time with it because like, I think that deep down I did want to believe that I was an alcoholic. Uh, but you know, I could not reconcile like what I thought an alcoholic was with like what my life looked like at that time. Yeah. So I actually remember like the friend from high school who was like the, the one that was bad off the one that we, like we had written off, like blah, blah, blah. I remembered that he was sober and I would see him, you know, and like the friends would get back together. Like he would be there and he was sober and like he had been sober for like a few years at this point. And, um, and so I called, is this Alex? This is Alex. Yeah. Was he that bad off? I can't even imagine him being like, he's like, I know he's like (laughs) the most like successful, like straight laced person these days. Uh, Like, but so straight laced. Yeah, but no, you should have seen him. You should have seen him. And wow. Like, seri- like, he was bad, you yeah. know? Like, clearly, I think he was not even 21 when he got sober. So, like, if you can imagine how bad it had to be for him to, like, yeah. have to, like, Incredible. get it together that early, you know? Like, it was bad. And so I gave him a call, and I, I asked him to meet me for coffee because, you know, I knew that he was sober. I knew that he, like, got sober in the program, and... I really wanted him to like tell me definitively like yes you are an alcoholic like get your ass into a meeting and stay there and never drink again or I wanted him to say you know you know you're not that bad like I think you're making like too big of a deal of it it's like not a big deal and so um I met up with him for coffee and I was like you know here's a series of events and you know, this addiction counselor told me that he thinks like I might be an alcoholic and like I've been going to meetings, but like, I, you know, I, I can't really tell. Like, what do you think? And he said, you know, I can't tell you whether or not you're an alcoholic, but you can ask yourself two questions to like self-diagnose. And he said, you know, one, if when you want to quit drinking, you find that you can't, you might be an alcoholic. So if if when you want to quit entirely, you can't. Yeah. And I was like, okay, in the clear, like I can quit anytime, you know, I just always like make up my mind to start drinking again. Yeah. Well, that's not entirely. Well, this was my understanding at the time, Andy, (laughs) I was like, I'm in the clear. (laughs) Um, But the second question is what got me. He said, you know, uh, if when drinking, you have little control over the amount you take, you might be alcoholic and that was kind of, you know, I, I couldn't really escape that one mm. because, you know, I d- I never really was an everyday drinker. Like the first time I ever drank in the morning to like get over like being drunk from the night before was the last time I drank. So like, you know, like, but the problem was when I drank most of the time I could not control yeah. How much I took. And like later on, I would, you know, I would come to, I said this to my mom, like only a couple years ago, you know, because we were talking about how like, she just really never thought that it was that bad, you know? And uh, she was like, you know, there was that one time when you took a piss in the back of my car and like, you know, that night I thought maybe you had a problem, but like, you know, I never really thought it was that bad. And I said, you know, here's the thing, mom, because I don't know what's going to happen when I take a drink. Yeah. I am an alcoholic. Like, that's my truth. Yeah. Because normal people, right, non-alcoholic people don't have to worry about 
if I drink this beer, am I going to wake up in a stranger's bed? Yeah. You know, am I going to drive my car home in a blackout? Am I going to wake up and not know where my car is? Am I going to wake up in my own piss? You know, am I going to like wake up and have some things in my phone that I am very ashamed of? Mm. And sometimes I could drink normally. I could have like, you know, a few glasses of wine with dinner and go home like a lady. But a lot of times that is not what would happen. And because I don't know what's going to happen when I take the first drink, because most of the time when I start to drink, I cannot control how much I drink. And I didn't want to. You know, I didn't want it. Like when I drank, I wanted to get drunk, yeah. you know, like especially when I like I like worked all week. It's Friday night. You know, it is time to get hammered. That is what I was going for. But, um, you know, that was the second question. And, you know, I knew that the answer was yes for me. But because at the time I thought that the answer to the first question was no, like yeah. I can quit whenever I want. I, I couldn't admit that I was an alcoholic, yeah. you know? And so I, I went to the meetings for like four months and then on my birthday, like started drinking again, off to the races again, you know? And then I would see him, I would see Alex out, like, you know, like we had the same like high school group of friends. So like I'd see him and I'd like have like, like we'd be at a wedding, I'd have like a glass of champagne, I'd be trying to like hide it, you know? <laughs> oh no, like that's, he's gonna know, like, you know? Um, and he was always so wonderful to me, you know, he was always, oh my God, Courtney, good to see you. Like, how you been? Blah, blah, blah. And he never judged me. He's never like, you know, but yeah. that's yeah, he's just such a, he really is a nice But guy. I was pissed about that. <laughs> I was pissed about that. I wanted him to judge me for it, yeah. you know, because I think I wanted a reason to be like, ah, those like those 12 steppers, you know, like this is why recovery isn't for me. Like yeah. they're so judgy, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and he never was. He was always so wonderful. Um, so, you know, I went back out, right? Which is not even true because I don't ever really think, I, I probably like smoked some weed during that time I was going to those meetings. Like I, I was not ready, you yeah. know? Um, and so I went back out for like a couple more years, maybe like two or three more years, did some more research. And, um, you know, during that time I had like, I had started dating this boy and he was a like, he was a very good boy. He was in the National Guard and he was from Denham Springs. And um, yeah, he, I, I don't know why. I mean, I was actually like bartending at another strip club at this point And I don't know why he thought I was wholesome, but <laughs> um, <laughs> I had like, I had just graduated grad school and I really was that girl that was like working at the strip club to put herself through school, you know? Yeah. I graduated and then moved to Costa Rica and uh, I was there for like about a year and I was um, teaching English and while I was out there I had like a night out on the town with like some blow and a lot of alcohol and like I don't know how but we were like Skyping the next day and the boy knew it like he knew that I had like you know, had like a crazy night and, um, I don't like hide my guilt or my shame very well. So maybe that's how he knew, but he was like, I don't want to be with a woman who blah, blah, blah. And I was like, do anything you want. Like, just Uh don't leave me. So I stopped drinking and stopped doing drugs. And like that lasted for a year, came home. Um, I was still like, you know, and like where I was 
in Costa Rica, I'm sure that there were meetings, but like I was like living far away from where I was working and to take a lot of buses and blah, 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 blah. And so I always meant to like check out meetings, but like I never did. Mm -hmm. Um, I went by this church every day and I would stop and pray a lot in the church, you know, but, um, you know, I never made my way back to the rooms and then I got home and like, I think I intended to like go back to meetings, but never did. And then eventually like, I decided, you know, as I got closer and closer to that year mark, like a year, that's a long time, you know, like without (laughs) drinking or doing drugs, like who can do that? If you have a problem, who can stop, you know, for an entire year? That's incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, day 366, I had a talk with him and I was like, you know, like I just never got to have like my last drink with my friends. 366, literally. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Day 366. And it's funny because it was like, I think it was like February 17th, you know? Um, Which is like, what's your sober day? February 14th. 14th, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that, the it, February, it's like a lot of, you know, February is like the month for me, you know? Yeah. Anyway, so I convinced him that it was a good idea for me to start like drinking and smoking weed again. Didn't take long before I was like pretty bad off and um, he didn't like the way that I was living my life. Right. And he wanted me to change who I was. And so I got rid of him Mm. and like uh, almost immediately took another guy hostage. Um, (laughs) And uh, I was like, I had a hard time getting over that breakup. I was like extremely skinny at this point and I was like drinking a lot smoking a whole bunch of weed and like doing blow every once in a while. But like, um, I was, a, I was not, you know, I was a hot, I was a mess at this point. And so I met this new boy and, uh, mesmerized him like I do. <laughs> and, uh, it was supposed to be casual cause he was moving to New York. So we were just going to like see each other while we saw each other. And then he was going to leave and it was going to be over, but like, whatever, we fell for each other. So we tried to continue the relationship like after he left and long story short, one of his friends was coming in town and I wanted to meet, this is like one of his really good friends and I wanted to meet him. So I went over to his other really good friend's house to like, whatever, like, you know, make our plan to go meet this other guy. Well, the other guy turns out was in town for a funeral. So like he wasn't, you know, in a partying mood. So I ended up just like partying with, the friend whose house I had gone to and I was like on the phone with the boyfriend like yeah you know me and this guy like we're having a great time and he was like oh that's so cute you know whatever um and then fast forward I woke up again um from a blackout having sex with this guy and uh I can't tell you what happened you know I would like to believe I mean this is a terrible thing to say like whatever I would like to believe that this dude took advantage of me because then that would like you know absolve me of responsibility but I was blacked out I don't know what happened you know I very well could have come on to him you know like I know at the very least like I like walked into his apartment after a night of partying, you know, and I know that at that moment I had no intention of like doing anything bad. I was head over heels in love with my boyfriend, you know, but uh, I woke up from a from a blackout and I was having sex with this guy 
And, um, you know, the next day we like talked on the phone and we were both like, look, we fucked up and we cannot talk about this, you know? And, uh, God. And like, dude, if you can imagine the guilt from that was like, ooh. So that, I like tried to keep that a secret for a month. And eventually, like, I think like the guilt was just oozing out of me and my boyfriend knew something had happened. And uh, he actually asked me if I had slept with this other friend, you know, like he was like, did you? And and this is like a close friend of ours, you know, like, and I was like, God, never. But like I was drunk and like I couldn't take the guilt anymore. And I ended up telling him like I I slept with this other guy and like, oh, it was a bad night. Uh, He was supposed to leave for New York the next day. And uh, I was like taking him to the airport and he like couldn't get on the plane. So he asked me to like drop him at his parents' house. And he like, he was like, we're over, we're done, we're through. And I was devastated, you know, I was devastated. Like I loved this guy and he loved me. And and I was like so distraught. So I, I decided to like go to counseling again because I couldn't, I wanted to figure out like, what in the fuck made me like sabotage this relationship? This is like the first good guy like I had ever had. And like, I said, you know, yeah. So I went to this counselor and I told her, I was like, listen, I have issues with drugs and alcohol, but I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> I want to figure don't out bring like, that up. <laughs> exactly. I want to like focus on why can't I keep a relationship together? You know? And like, bless her heart. Like <laughs> she was like, all right, you know, thank you and whatever. And she helped me a lot, but like, you know, like the issue was that I was an alcoholic, you know? And so I was working on all this stuff with her and like, um, that was in, there was, it was Halloween that that happened, that I told my boyfriend and like our relationship blew up. So I saw him like a month later and like, we were going to try to get back together. And he was like, I just can't do it. You know? And like that really sucked. And so then fast forward a few months, it's Mardi Gras. And, um, you know, this guy that I was dating is friends with all of my friends. We have all the same friends. Right. And they can't stand the fact that we're not together because they thought we we were so cute and they want us both to be at all their like things together. Well, it's like (laughs) if he's coming, I can't. If she's coming, I can't be there. Like whatever. They didn't like that. So it's Mardi Gras. And I'm like at this parade with some friends and they're like, we'll be right back. And then they come back and they have him with them. And, uh, he's like trying to be mad at me, but like, he really loves me and I really love him. And we like end up, you know, kind of rekindling our relationship. So we're hanging out all during Mardi Gras and like, things are great. And Mardi Gras night, um, Mardi Gras day. This is the first day that I ever drank in the morning. I was like sick from the night before. Cause I drank so much, which happened a lot, but like, I would just like, not drink that day. I would just be sick that day, you yeah. know, but it was Mardi Gras. Yeah. And, um, I remember this stripper at one of the strip clubs that I used to, um, that I used to cocktail waitress that she was like, hair of a dog that bit you, you know, if you like drink a little bit in the morning, then you like get over the sickness from the night before. And I was always so sick the next morning that I like, couldn't even think about drinking. What you was know? it? The saying the dog that what? a hair of the dog that bit you. Okay. It's like never heard that saying. Really? Yeah, no. I mean, of course, I mean, I, but I always drank in the morning for a long time. <laughs> that was like, I, I knew that solution. Mm, for, I just was, couldn't do it. It's uh, just like, I was like, sick, you know, it was like, yeah. oh, drinking. Oh, I, don't, I can't touch it for like a little while. Yeah. But I mean, if you just kind of like drink that first one, it's like. Yeah, that's exactly. So that's, you know, I was like, it is Mardi Gras. I am f- 
fucking partying today. Yeah. I'm not going to like miss out on Mardi Gras. So like I got a beer and like, you know, I started like forced it down and I felt better, you know, it's yeah. like, woo, game on. <laughs> um, and so like I had been like drinking that day and like did a little bit of Coke, whatever. And, uh, my friend I was dropping my friend off at, um, home because it was like eight o'clock we've been partying all day eight o'clock at night and we went through the drive through at mcdonald's and i got a hot and spicy mcchicken sandwich and i was able to like force it down and i was so proud of myself and i was like reset like i ate something you know after i've been like drinking and like doing cocaine i do not want to eat you know that's the last thing i want to do and because i was able to force down this 99 cent hot and spicy mcchicken sandwich it was like i hit the reset button like and so I dropped him off at home and I went back out and the boyfriend met me, um, out there and like, you know, we were partying, whatever. Apparently I was like the life of the party. And then just, I was on the floor, like in the middle of like dancing, singing, talking, like dropped to the floor, completely passed out. So the boyfriend brought me home eventually, like it was an ordeal. I woke up, you know, in my own piss again, I had no my purse was gone the keys to like my car my house my job were gone I was missing a shoe and I had my phone and my ID because I'd been doing like bumps of coke off my ID so I had my phone opened it and there was a text from the boy saying um you know you passed out last night uh you lost your car like your car's wherever you left it your purse is gone and like we're through And so I called him and he was like, you know, I think you need some help. And I was like, I think you might be right. And that was February 12th. And so I was sick that whole day. I stayed in bed. The next day I had a friend over and like smoked like a little piece of a joint. And then the next day it was Valentine's Day. And I had made an appointment with my counselor because I knew it was going to be a tough day because, you know, it was I, I was still in love with this boy and like blah, blah, blah. And it was going to be rough. And so I went to the counselor and I said, like, I am an alcoholic and I need help. And I'm going to go back. I'm going to go to meetings again and I'm going to get sober because um, I have a problem. And she was like, I think that's great. And I went to a meeting that day. And, um, so that's, that's my sobriety date, February 14, 2013. Wow. And I went to a meeting and I don't like particularly remember it, but I remember being scared. And I think I went to like another meeting the next day and I don't really remember that one. And I remember like not being able to like talk to anybody and like being like really ashamed and feeling guilty and, um, and kind of feeling like it might not work, you know? kind of feeling like it might be over for me yeah so i the next day i went to a meeting it was at lambda and who do i see walking down the hall but alex wow my friend from high school the one who was like so bad off we all thought like we had all written him off the one who i talked to the first time i tried the program and um who probably doesn't frequent it was his first time there wow he had a sponsee who was chairing a meeting there and asked him to speak. Uh-huh. And um, so he's walking down the hall and I was like, wow, hey, good to see you. And uh, so he goes and sits down on the sofa and he tells his story. And this is when it was uh, it was 
on on Elysian Fields, Fields, right next, next to, to Jeans like, Daiquiri's. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was a cool building. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah that's that's where I got sober. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, um, Alex is there, and after the meeting, I go up to him. Like, really, I just wanted to like say, "Hey, good to see you." But what comes out is I'm terrified. You know, I think that I might die. I don't know how to talk to people. I, I, I'm, I'm so scared and I need help. And like, I did not mean to say that, <laughs> you know, like that just came out. And he said, okay, well, why don't you come to uh, my home group tomorrow? This is on a Saturday. He's like, why don't you come to my home group tomorrow? We're having a speak and eat, right? So like, you know, somebody's going to speak for an hour and there's going to be like an hour of food and like fellowship and, you know, like you can just come hang out with us and um and do you mind if I give your number to some women that I know and I was like sure whatever you know so the next day I went to the speak and eat um and I don't remember much about it but like do you remember who spoke no I think I think it was um I think it was Garrett maybe Uh, you know Maybe it was Garrett. I've got such bad memory that you could say I that know. and I'm just verified. And I love, yes. yeah, I love when Garrett speaks. It's like very powerful. He stands up and yeah. he's got like that southern draw. You, you know, know he, he, <laughs> he reminds me of a, who's that motivational speaker? Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins. He kind of has like a Tony <laughs> Robbins look to him, doesn't he? It's like the big jaw. Yeah, a little know? bit. <laughs> um, but he gave my number to, um, to a woman who called me uh-huh. and I picked up the phone, which in itself is a miracle because like I, I you know, me and deck electors were on like a first name basis. Yeah. Not really. That's a line from a song, <laughs> but like I, I was avoiding debt collectors. And so like, I didn't pick up the phone if I didn't know who the number was, you yeah. know? Um, but she called me and she invited me to a meeting and we went to a meeting together. Also, you answered the phone. I answered. She called me. Yeah. Which is like, man, like, I don't do that. You know, I give my number out and if you call me, I'll answer. But like she called me. Yeah. And I answered and she invited me to a meeting. So we went to a meeting the next day. We went to Carrollton Group uptown, 730 Uh (laughs) Monday nights. And um, after the meeting, we went across the street to this coffee shop and she like told me about herself. And um, I told a little bit about myself. And uh Again, like I did not mean to say it, but like what came out was like, please sponsor me. Like I'll do anything, whatever you say, I'll go to any length. I'm ready. Yeah. And it feels like the next day we started working steps and, uh, you know, I went to her house every week, same time, same day, had all my stuff. Like, you know, she, we read for an hour. She read to me and I wrote down everything that she said, like in the margins of the book. She gave me an assignment to do, and I did the assignment. And the next week, we would meet. We'd go over whatever I wrote, and she would read to me again. And that's that's what working the steps looked like. And um, my life began to change, mm. you know. My life began to change. And uh, at Lambda, I met somebody named Kendrick. You know Kendrick? Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, Kendrick. I love Kendrick. I love Kendrick. Dude, and Kendrick I, see, like changed my life. You keep mentioning people. I'm putting them because I'm gonna have them on the. Oh yeah. It's like I'm gonna I'm gonna, I, go I'm gonna ask Alex definitely and then Kendrick. Too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kendrick asked me one day, "What was I doing Saturday morning uh, at ten o'clock?" And I was like, "Nothing." And he was like, uh, "Okay, meet me at this address." I was like, "Okay." Um, it was a treatment center called Odyssey House, mm. and. Uh, 
So Kendrick asked me to like go to this TNC meeting with him, but I had no, he didn't tell me that. Right. Like he just told me to show up at this address. Yeah. And at, before we went in, he said, okay, I want you to, when we get in there, I want you to say your name and your sobriety date and I want you to shut up. And I said, okay, I can do that. And so I did that for a little while. And then eventually he was like, okay, now I want you to like, you know, tell a little bit of your story. I want you to share a little bit. And I said, okay. And then eventually he said, all right, I'm not coming back. This is your meeting now. <laughs> and like, that was like my first TNC commitment. Nice. And I did that every Saturday morning for a year. And that changed my life, you know? Wow. And so I was really fortunate in early sobriety that I did not have a whole lot going on in my life. And so I was able to go to a lot of meetings. Yeah. Um, I was able to participate in a lot of service work, you know, and I got thrown in with a crowd of people who were very serious about sponsorship and who were very serious about service work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like at a month sober, I started, you know, doing treatment and corrections meetings. I got uh, thrown onto um, a planning committee for like a conference, you know, like, yeah. uh, and like that freaking, I could go on and on about how that conference like really changed my life. And like you said, dancing at that um, New Year's Eve party was like, for you, like your first like experience of like really have like believing, you know, having fun and believing mm. like you could have fun in sobriety. This conference was it for me. It was a conference for young people. Yeah. And um, and like, oh, there was just so much God in it. And there was like so much fun, like so much recovery. I just like, you know, and the point of these conferences is to show young people that you can have fun in yeah. sobriety. And that is what I, like I had a lot, had a lot of fun, you know, and and um, it was just like I remember like having all these spiritual experiences, and I remember going out to the parking lot and calling my sponsor, and like she didn't answer, but I like left her a voicemail, like crying on the phone, like this is incredible, you know, like seriously, I have a hard time like talking about it without crying, like it cry, really man. like changed my life, you yeah. know, like there was like oh so much God in that for so me, incredible. Um, and so when he's, my life started to change, like my life really started to change. And like, I, I like really threw, I got in the middle of the program. I got in the middle of service work. I did what my sponsor told me to do. And like the way that I saw myself and the way that I saw the world really started to change, you know? Mm. Um, my first, the first big girl job I ever had, I got as a result of like somebody who, I, I had been looking for this kind of job. I wanted to be an executive assistant. I had been looking for this kind of job for like six months at this point. And uh, Kate, actually, yeah, Alex's wife, <laughs> <laughs> she was leaving a job. Who I, as who in, I wrote her name down to oh, in my notes. I need to get her. Kate. It's funny because like I'll think of people and it's like I can't. And then mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. obvious <laughs> people that I haven't even thought of. It's so crazy. I'm excited. But Kate was leaving a job as an executive assistant and she asked me if I wanted to apply and I got that job. I had like five months sober. Yeah. And, um, you know, that that changed my life. Um, she actually got that job as a result of somebody like who knew the guy who gave her anyways, like yeah. <laughs> in the program, you know. But anyways, my life just started to like change so dramatically. And I... Um, <laughs> I'm just... Uh, <laughs> I was like, I just slapped my my thigh because I was like, it, I, I was impressed. Oh, okay. With what, I don't know. Something you said just made me go, I related. Yeah, okay. Good. Well, just because like your life changes and then you meet so many wonderful people. Mm-hmm. 
and everybody's rooting for you. Yeah. You find that? Oh. And like you have so many like you can almost not fail. Yeah. Like I can tell you how many people that I that I've met on this journey have helped me along the way to get this this. So much. Yeah. You, you know, know what I mean? Every step of the way. Everybody's rooting for you. It's yeah. so true. Like and it's like everybody's kind of invested in your success. Yeah. You it's know? yeah. And it's funny, you know, later on you figure out like they're invested in my success because it like aids in their success. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And but like that's true. It's true. Yeah. And that's how it felt, you know. And okay, so she told me there were some things that I needed to do. She told me that at night I get on my knees and I thank God for keeping me sober that day. And in the morning I get on my knees and I ask God to keep me sober that day. And she said, we get on our, on our knees as an act of humility, right? We humble ourselves before God we, to like physically let God know that we can't do this on our own. I know I can't do this on my own God. And so I invite you in mm. and you know, as alcoholics or addicts or like whatever, we got big egos, right? And whether whether that pride, that ego is saying, like, I'm better than everybody else, like, you guys just don't understand, or that pride, that ego is saying, I am worse than everybody else. I am the scum of the earth, and there's no way that you can understand. It's mm. two sides of the same coin. Yeah. Right? We are setting ourselves apart from. And so in order to get back, like, in the flow of things, in order to be a person among people, like... We got to get back right sized. And yeah. so like, that's what she said. It's an example. It's like a humility, it's a physical act of humility before God. And so I've done that like 99% of the time since. Yeah. And, uh, it's so crazy. Cause like, you know, you hear people say like the principles behind the steps and, and I can't never mention, like, yeah, like I've never memorized which? them, but mm-hmm. like, I think that like humility is the principle behind every single one. Every single one. one. Them. Yeah. Right. Hands down. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but she told me I needed to like go to a meeting every day for a while. Um, and I went to like a lot of meetings in the beginning. I remember like, cause I, cause I mean, I'm, I, I, I frequented a lot of meetings, but like, I know I'd always be surprised. Be like, she, Courtney's here too. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I still love meetings. Yeah. You know, I love, it's, oh man, I loved going to meetings. Yeah. Since um, my girl left, I've been going to more meetings again. I went to, you know, Bertha's for the first time in forever. It was awesome. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, she told me I needed to get a home group, right? Mm-hmm. And a home group is a group that has business meetings. And, uh, you know, at the business meeting, you talk about like what you do with the money that's in the basket and like, you know, different, different changes you can make to like better, like serve the community to like help the still suffering alcoholic. Um, and I needed a service position at that home group. So I got a home group and I got a service position and I've had the same home group and at least one service position in that home group ever since. Yeah. Um, and I'm dude, that home group is my family. Yeah. Like every Thursday night at eight o'clock, you know where I'm going to be. Yeah. Unless I like have to work or there's some tragedy that happens, you know? Um, and it is not like I, f- I I don't know how much time we have left, but like what you, what you looking like over there? Uh, let's see. Well, I you didn't start it, huh? No. Ah. <laughs> okay, let me. I want to get to like this this thing that happened, uh-huh. and like, and I'm gonna leave so much out, but like that's okay. Um, so Thursday nights, my home group, right? 
I'm there every Thursday night. And uh, one Thursday night, I happen to be there and I get a call from my mom. She starts calling me and it's like she had just been there. She was dropping off some flyers that I asked her to like print out for me. So like um, she knew that I was in this meeting. And so I was kind of like annoyed that she was calling me because like so anyway, she starts texting me like call me back 911. And um, so I like run outside and like this has happened before that I get these kinds of like calls and texts from my mom because my sister was sick. Um, my sister had epilepsy and lupus and uh, she may or may not have been one of us. I like to this day, I'm not sure. Yeah. But um, so like I've gotten these calls before and it's either like, you know, go to the hospital or do whatever, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and so she like I call her and she's like, you need to come to Blue Plate. And Blue Plate is the apartment that my sister lives in. And I was like, OK, Why? And like, I knew, you know, I knew, but like, I felt, you know, I, this call had happened before and I felt like, you know, it didn't feel so different, but like, I knew. And she like, there was a pause and she said, your sister, your sister's gone. And so like, I'm at my home group, right? So I go inside and I'm like, I'm losing it, but I grab my shit, I grab my purse and my keys or whatever, and I run to my car and I can't figure out how to get the car door open. And so I like run back inside and I just say, somebody come drive me. And like a bunch of people ran outside. Now, nobody knows what's happening at this point. You know, I literally just came inside looking like a crazy person, went outside, came back inside, said, somebody drive me. So my friend Dana... And my friend Matthew, Matthew like help, like holds me up and like physically helps me to get into the car because I couldn't figure out how to do it on my own. And Dana gets, gets the keys, gets in the car and starts driving. And I said, take me to Blue Plate. Now, as far as I know, like no, still nobody knows what's going on. And I am like sobbing, like hysterical, like sobbing. And like eventually I choke out like my sister is dead. And Dana's just like still driving, you know. So we get there. She pulls up in front. She walks me inside. My mom is like standing outside on the phone, like standing outside the door of my sister's apartment. She's on the phone and I run up to her. And like, I just remember saying, like I grabbed her and she grabbed me and we like fell to the floor. And I was saying, mama, mama. Like that's all I could oh, say. Man. And we're crying and like Dana is right there and like, you know, we make our way up and like my mom goes inside and like my sister's in the bathroom. And my mom's like, do you want to go in and see her? And I was like, I don't know. And like we're standing outside the door to the apartment. And, and I told Dana, like, I don't want to see her. I don't want to see her like that. And Dana says, that's OK. That's OK. We'll just walk in. We'll walk right past. And she comes and she sits on the sofa with me. And then um eventually I tell her Dana I need you to go back to the meeting because at this time I was the chair of the meeting which means like it's my job to pick the speaker it's my job to like make sure the meeting happens so I said go back to the meeting and our other friend Emily was speaking that night and I said don't tell Emily don't tell anybody but go back make sure everything happens make sure somebody picks up the cigarette butts because it was also my job to pick up the cigarette butts from outside the church um 
So Matthew comes and picks Dana up and takes her back and the meeting happens and everything. And so Dana tells me that after the meeting, she made an announcement. She said, anybody, all home group members and anybody with a connection to Courtney, meet me at the back of the room after the meeting. And she said, damn near the whole meeting, like damn near everybody in the room was there. And she said, Courtney's sister died tonight and it was tragic. And she said, so first, who's going to pick up cigarette butts? Who's going to help us with this workshop that she's got planned for Saturday? Here's her number in case you want to reach out to her. And she said they went to, we go to eat at this burger place every Thursday after the meeting. And so she went there and um, the thing that I remember the most from the night that my sister died was not like, you know, collapsing into my mom's arms. It wasn't seeing her carried out in a body bag. Like I hardly think about those things, but what I do think about is six of the baddest bitches I know <laughs> walking up the ramp to my sister's apartment building with bags of burgers in their hands. And, um, you know, they're heartbroken and they're concerned for me, but their faces are full of strength. You know, that's what I remember. Like the, the street light, like shining on their faces and them walking up to me, like, of course we're here. Of course yeah. we're here with burgers for you and your family. <laughs> like where else would we be, you know? And that's what I remember most, you know, like yeah. that is powerful. And those women and my other brothers and sisters in sobriety carried me through that you know and that was the worst that was the thing that was on my list like if this happens oh, yeah. there's, there's no, way. no way you yeah. know there's no way and i can tell you that had that happened and i wasn't sober and i didn't have the program and i didn't have the foundation of the steps and the unity and the fellowship of of, of what we get in sobriety and recovery there is no way you know yeah. i would not i don't think i could have made it through that but as a result of that I didn't even think about drinking and I didn't even think about doing drugs. Not once. Not once. Literally Incredible. not once. Because like these people carried me through it, you know. Yeah. They came over every day. You came over. Like people came over every day. People were like bringing me food. People were like making me go to meetings, you know. Everybody like show like Bailey was folding programs at her funeral, you know, like the the my my family my sober family showed up for me. You yeah. know, and like I remember doing this for other people. Like somebody's grandpa would die, would be there. Like yeah. somebody lose their and job, would be there. And it seems like just you know? like just we're just doing it because we're supposed to, and we don't realize. I don't think like what it means for people. You really like, you know, like I can't. It's like yeah. I can't. I literally can't put it into words. You know, like I can't put it into words. That was the worst thing that ever happened to me. It's the worst thing. Yeah that ever happened you know that's my baby sister we have the same birthday like she was born on my first birthday i Incredible. literally did not know life without her you know yeah and like you guys had such a great like chemistry too it was <laughs> yeah. so incredible it really was yeah like, whenever i'd see you guys together it was like I mean, yeah i mean we had you know, we had a good time like we were yeah. each other you know like we we had our like we lived our whole lives together and like yeah. like i said like she was the one i related to she looked just like me like we had mm. you know we had like the same life experience together and like you know it's like 
it sucks. It sucks that she died. You know, it sucks that she's not here. But what I can say is as a result of getting sober, like working the steps with a sponsor and being of service to other people, sponsoring other people, like doing my best to make sure that the program of recovery is available to like other people who come in and who feel just as dirty and damaged and broken and unlovable and empty as I did when I came in. That has given me a life beyond my wildest dreams. You know, yeah. it really has. It came, Like I walked like with dignity and grace through like the worst thing that's ever happened to me. You know, um, like I've, I have been blessed with so much in sobriety. Like that boy, the boy who's like hard I broke and I like couldn't figure out why, you know, like I'm married to him. He mm. married me, you know, mm. like he gave me the space that I needed to like get a relationship with myself and get a relationship with God. And when I was ready, like we got back together and, you know, there were bumps in the road, but like I have learned through the program and through like incredible sponsorship, how to be a better partner, you know, like how to think of someone else and yeah. like to like appreciate and think about someone else's needs, you know? And I like, I have like an incredible relationship today with like the man of my dreams yeah. and like, you know, we got married and I didn't drink champagne at our wedding. Like, oh, go man. figure, you know? <laughs> no, but it was like, it was great. Like, you know, you were there. We had a yeah. good time, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, I had to leave, though. <laughs> I, I went to, uh, I didn't stay that long at the reception. I feel bad. Yeah, you missed out. Because I had, to, I know, because. It was a good time. From what I could tell, yeah, like what I saw after the fact. <laughs> but like, I had to get back to work, unfortunately. Wah, wah. Wah. <laughs> But no, and yeah, and and like, dude, I've I've been through like I've been to so many weddings of people <laughs> that I know who like sober and mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm I, I was in Anthony's wedding, um, I'm I'm one of the godfathers to his child, you Isn't know, that incredible, yeah, you know, like somebody entrusting the life of their child to a dirty drug addict <laughs> drunk yeah you know that's crazy and we get to do those kinds of things Man. as a result of of recovery you know like the last thing i ever said to my sister was i love you like that i am sure of that's amazing that's like you know i can't i can't you know i made things right with her yeah. i was able like was given the gift of making things right with her before she died and like I didn't know I wasn't gonna see her again you know I wow. didn't know and like thankfully I got the chance to like try to be like a better person and to think of other people and to to try to live right because yeah. had I not been sober you know had I not been like living a life of recovery which like is is contingent on the the maintenance of like yeah. my spiritual condition had i not been like chasing this thing daily that might not have been the last thing yeah. I, you know who like knows who knows what, what have been yeah. what might have been going on with me and, and my what a sister blessing. yeah yeah, yeah. And, I, and i i often think of the same thing because you know i my dad when my dad passed away you know uh, in 2016 and same year i just feel so yeah mm -hmm. i think it was yeah, I, it, it was in October, so... Mm -hmm. a, a few months behind my yeah. sister, a couple months, yeah. And just, 
I remember like the biggest thing takeaway is like, man, thank God that I was like a decent son to him. And he didn't have like the last five years of his life. He didn't worry about me. He didn't have to like, I didn't, I never, I didn't call him for money Yeah. and say, Hey dad, I need money for rent. I didn't have to do that. And he, and I feel like he, he died knowing or feeling comfortable in, in, in the, in the belief that I'll be okay. You're going to be okay. Yeah. You know, so thank God for that, man. Thank God for all that cheesy stuff that I, that sobriety gives us. <laughs> so awesome. It is. Yeah. And life is good. You know, and I get to, you know, because I didn't have any of like the, the big circumstances that a lot of people have. Like I, I, I didn't get a DUI. I wasn't institutionalized. I wasn't hospitalized. I didn't like lose a bunch of jobs or like, you know, whatever. Like I had burned my life down like emotionally, you mm-hmm. know, but like on the outside, like I said, like things looked fine. And so because I didn't have a lot of those difficulties and those like external, like huge consequences in the beginning, I used to wonder like, have I earned my seat, you um, know, in the program? Yeah. And, um, and I used to wish that like I had a better story, yeah. you know, <laughs> which yeah. is ridiculous. It's like, so crazy. Yeah. I, and the same here. I think everybody like, cause I wasn't, I didn't have that low, uh, mm-hmm. I mean my, my bottom, I wasn't like, I mean, I was 29 and I'd done some, you know, some dumb shit and, uh, <laughs> and experienced some consequences. But then like, I always thought that I had to like, and even like when I first got sober, I might have embellished a little bit here and there, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, it's so fucking. We are strange beings. Yeah. But, you know, now I can. I have a better story and it's unfortunate, you know, because like. What I can say is that the worst thing that ever happened to me in my life happened while I was sober, you know? And like, it's a good, you know, whatever, it sucks. Like I'd, I'd give anything to have my sister back, but at the same time, I can truly tell people that this thing works, you yeah. know, this thing works. And, um, and like the, the, the fellowship, the camaraderie that we get to have, it's oh. unlike anything else, you know, it, it really is. It, like, it is. It's um, insane. Yeah. So like, I, I, life is so much better and it's like not you know like life is still difficult like difficult stuff still happens yeah but i don't have to drink over it you know i don't have to do a drug over it and like i i used to think that like being sober meant like you were clawing your way through every day like just trying (laughs) not to drink and that's not what it's like you know like i think about it every now and then it's a passing thought but like life is good, you know? And like, I only struggle when I, when I I struggle when I choose to, you know, because I have the tools to take care of anything. I have the, I know what, you know, like I have the tools to be able to not struggle. And it's when I am being stubborn or like trying to run the show myself or whatever, like, but I have the tools. And as soon as I choose to use them, I don't have to struggle anymore, you know? And, and life a, is pretty good, you and know? And that's a great testament of the program, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, life is good. I think we might be running out of time. Okay. <laughs> oh. I told um, you I could talk for a while. Yeah, no. Man, like, you know, initially, I wanted this to be like a three-hour thing, but it's, that's way too long. But anyways, I don't want <laughs> to go over the time and, like, lose this recording. But yeah. thank you so much, Courtney. I love you. Dear, you're like a, like, 
just such a special person to me. And uh, I love you, Andy. And thanks for doing the podcast. Thanks for having me. All right.